0: Thanks, Bronwyn. All right, a bit of a pop test for you. Uh, who is the man that you see on the screen just here? Who is this man? Steve Carlo. No, <laughs> not on no screen at the moment. Who is? It's going to come. It's eventually going to get there. Who is this? Sorry. Man, who is this man? Does anyone know this man? Is the guy that ran from Perth? Correct, this is the. Young, the, the young tradie, you think? The young tradie, Ned Brockman is his name, he ran from uh, the coast of Western Australia to the coast of New South Wales just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, uh, He ran 100 kilometres a day for 40 days in a row from Western Australia to New South Wales. He described in an interview what his feet looked like afterwards. I thought about showing you a photo of that, but that's uh, that's not going to be happening. But uh, he did describe in an interview just how he did it. He said, I broke my run down each day into 20 kilometre segments. That sounds too much to begin with, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> then he said, I broke my, uh, my 20 kilometre segments down into 5 kilometre segments. Still too much. Then I broke my 5 kilometre segments down into 1 kilometre segments. And that's how I did it. I said, oh yeah, great, that sounds really easy. I can do that. Everybody can run from Western Australia uh, to New South Wales. Just imagine how hard that must have been. How much his feet must have been burning. I go for a run sometimes and then my legs don't work afterwards. And that's just around the block and maybe up the road a little bit. And one kilometre sometimes seems too far for me. I wonder what it's like for you. It would have taken some serious persistence for this man to continue his run from one side of the country, one side of the continent, to the other. This morning we want to talk about persistence We want to talk about the Christian life and we want to talk about what it takes for us to keep persisting in the Christian life. Today we're going to take just a small one week break from the book of Judges and we're going to look at the last chapter of the book of Colossians together. We're going to look at what Paul says we ought to do to persist in our our relationship with God and in our Christian life. He's going to tell us three things. He's going to tell us we're going to persist in prayer, persist in the world, and persist in partnership. So please have your Bible open in front of you, and uh, we're going to have a look at this short little section this morning, and uh, hopefully it will encourage us to head into this world and persist in our Christian life. So let me pray as we get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, be with us. As we look at your Word now, please strengthen us for that task. And please help us to go from here ready uh, to be... uh, uh, servants of you in this world, wherever you place us and whatever you will have us doing this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, right at the beginning. Uh, Paul says, persist in prayer. Chapter 4, verse 2. Look at it there. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. To declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Persist in prayer. There's a sense in these words that Paul speaks that there's an element of attachment, that we are to sort of attach ourselves or clip ourselves on to prayer. This is what Paul is talking about, that we're sort of to clip in and clip on to prayer and hold on to it and stick with it. I wonder if these words could be described of you, that your life is clipped on to prayer and attached to prayer. These are strong words that the Apostle Paul prays. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I suspect that whenever we talk about prayer as Christian people, we all realise It's tough. It's hard work. When I was thinking about preparing this talk, I thought, maybe I'll get you to give me a show of hands. Whose prayer life is at one or zero or not doing so well and whose is at ten? But then I thought there's no benefit in doing so because we all find it tough. We all find it hard to pray. And I suspect that's been the case for 2000 years. That's why Paul says these words all those years ago, continue to. Steadfastly in prayer. It takes some discipline. It takes some hardship. That's why Paul says to the Colossians, continue in it. Attach yourself to it. Don't stop. Well, just at this point in our service, I want to ask us just to pause and and maybe just have a chat to the people around you, presuming that we all find prayer a little difficult. I want you to talk to the people around you. Why do you think that's the case? Let's just stop for 90 seconds, talk to the people around you. Why do you think we find prayer difficult? Can we talk about that? 90 seconds. Why do you think? Go for it. <laughs> Okay. Thank you for sharing, that's not easy because we all find this tough, but I'm going to be even more bold and ask for anyone who would like to share their thoughts, is there anyone that would like to share their thoughts, be particularly bold this morning? Why do we find prayer hard? Edith? Our, well, our little roadie, we all talked about the same stuff of having having chats to God or just talking normal to God and if we see that as prayer, yes, correct. we're not in trouble. Good. But if we see getting down on our knees, we're all in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, that's probably true. it would be a long prayer session, perhaps. So at times that might be right. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. No, that's good. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's uh, that's why we can continue steadfastly and persist in it. Good. Did I see, was that a hand up the back there somewhere? Ryan's wife said focus. Focus can be a problem, yes, exactly, exactly, focus can be a problem. If you shut your eyes, you'll probably go to sleep. That's right, that's right. You could be on your knees and asleep at the same time, that would be a problem, exactly. Alright, yes, okay, good, Lee. We were actually saying how busy you are. Yeah, just being busy, yeah, just having lots of other things to do, being an activist, lots of things happening. Yeah, and that's a second uh, weapon. Absolutely, country. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of those things yeah. are in lots of ways, aren't they? As, as in, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Because uh, we are to be prayerful people, and like you, I struggle in prayer. As well, I think there are a number of reasons why, and uh, I'm sure you've come up with a whole range of them. It would be great to be able to share those problems and, and, and ask God that He might solve those problems for us as we chat together afterwards. But I think for for me, there's at least three things that sometimes happen in our minds, or in my mind in particular. First of all, I just forget what prayer is. Prayer is asking God for something. It Seems complicated, more complicated than that at times, doesn't it? But it's just asking God. For something. Now, obviously, we confess our sins as a part of praying and we we thank God for things, but those things are not essentially prayer. That's why it says here continue steadfastly in prayer with thanksgiving. We are just simply asking God for things when we pray. And God asks us to do it. And the apostle urges us to do it. And we're reminded in God's word all over the place of things like this. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says the prayers of the upright are his delight. Isaiah sixty five twenty four says it will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And Jesus said these famous words, didn't he? Whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the father may be glorified in the son. Now, of course, it's not a magic word in Jesus' name and we get whatever we want, but when we pray in line with the purposes and plans of God, he delights to give us what we ask for. Sometimes we just need a reminder what prayer is. It's asking the God of the universe to listen to us. But the second reason we don't pray is because of that exact purpose. We are talking to God and we get ourselves tied up in all sorts of theological knots. If God already knows what I'm thinking, why do I need to bother praying? If God is sovereign, does that actually change anything and so on? And what happens in prayer anyway? And so we leave it to the back burner and just get on with doing stuff. But as we've just read in John 14 verse 13, we glorify God by asking him so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Prayer is a practical dependence upon God. And as we open our mouths and rely on Him, we are expressing our dependence on God, which frankly we don't like, do we? I don't know about you, but I like to be independent and in control. And prayer recognises that we're not independent and we're not in control. And thirdly, that's uh, that's another reason why we don't pray. We forget that we are children. Because we've been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus at the cross, we are the children of of God, This is not a relationship of colleagues. We're not colleagues with God. We're not his mate. No, we're a father and child relationship, which is a wonderful thing. We all have experienced, either in our own lives or in the lives of those around us, how adults, and particularly fathers and mothers, oftentimes know what the children need before they ask for it whether it's a drink or sleep or interaction or playtime or whatever it might be, that the parent knows, but oftentimes they won't ask. They'll wait for the child to ask and to initiate that contact so that the, uh, the parent might be blessing that child with the drink or the sleep or the interaction or the play. And we are the children of God. He is our Heavenly Father. And from time to time, we often consider ourselves to have graduated from the position of the child of God. We remain his children. He knows best and he delights in us asking him. Prayer is hard, no doubt about it. And there's all sorts of reasons why we don't pray. But Paul here says, continue steadfastly in prayer. But notice he also goes on to say, being watchful in it. Probably harking back to the uh, the situation in the Garden of Gethsemane where the disciples were not able to stay awake. They fell asleep. We've described that ourselves, haven't we? With focus and being distracted and being busy and other things. And I think this is what Paul is getting at. Carve time aside to pray. Being watchful, not being distracted. But also being thankful. Thankfulness has to be part of the Christian life. As we've mentioned in our uh, setup for the prayer month, uh, being thankful not only is a wonderful thing because we're able to share uh, with one another, what it is that God is doing in our lives, but it 's also good for us. God has so set up our world and our minds and our hearts that thankfulness to God is actually good for us, as i 've mentioned over the last few weeks. The world calls this mindfulness, but we call it thankfulness. Mindfulness is thinking about the good things in the world with no origin they haven 't come from anywhere thankfulness is recognising that these things have come from God. This practice is very good for us. It's good for us because God has set us up that way. God has set us up to be thankful people, to be reliant people, to be people who recognise that every good and perfect gift comes from above and most of all, the gift of the cross of Christ. And so we continue steadfastly in prayer, watchfully and also with thanksgiving. But did you notice in verse 3 that Paul encourages prayer not just for one's own self, but for others. Pray also for us. The direction of our prayers ought always to be outward. Yes, we can pray for ourselves and that's okay to do that, but to pray outward is the prayer direction of the Bible, of the Scriptures. We see this over and over again as Paul prays For the churches which he founded. And here Paul requests prayer for himself. That the Colossians might pray for him. Now think of this for a moment. Paul is in prison. Under harsh treatment most likely. Under difficult circumstances. And though he is in all of this situation. He does not ask for prayer that he might be released. He does not ask for prayer that he might be treated well. He prays here for the priorities of God. That the mystery of Christ might be able to be declared wherever he is. That he might make it clear as he ought to speak. This is God's priority. As we embark on a month of prayer together, these verses can, for us as the people of God in this place, give us direction as to how we should pray. As we mentioned in in your booklet here, there are a number of things we're encouraging you to be involved with each day. Praying the Lord's Prayer. Praying the Lord's Prayer each day is not a mantra we say, but a way in which we get in contact with God's agenda for the world. His kingdom focus and kingdom purposes. We want to encourage you not only to pray the Lord's Prayer, but to be thankful each day. To be watchful by setting aside a period of time each day to be prayerful, perhaps with God's people. And to pray for the priorities of the spread of the gospel of Christ. This is what it means for us to attach ourselves in prayer. Steadfastly continuing in it. We're to persist in prayer. But Paul also goes on, verses 5 and 6, to say, persist in the world. Colossae was most likely a city just like Sydney where we live. A world of uh, paganism and do-what-you-want religions, heresy and a struggle to maintain the Christian faith in the workplace and in the world around us. This might be how you feel as you leave this place and the safety of God's people and head out into the world, whatever that might look like for you as Sunday turns to Monday. And Paul says, In this world, We are to be wise and we are to be ready. Verse 5 Conduct yourself wisely towards outsiders making the best use of the time. He says walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom towards the outsiders. In other words, when you head out into this world and Sunday turns to Monday, be careful about what you say and what you don't say. Be careful about how you act and how you don't act. Be be careful about what you prioritize and what you don't prioritize. You are, if you like, a brand ambassador for Christ. You are carrying that sandwich board of the brand around with you. Perhaps you may even need to do that for yourself to make that a reminder for you. Carry a, a little badge and put it on when you head outside. And I'm a follower of Jesus, and that's how I'm going to work. I'm a brand ambassador. For Christ. But Paul says, more important is how you act, walk wisely. Take care of what you say, how you act, what your priorities are. And as you do and as you live that way for Christ in the world, opportunities will arise. I like the way the NIV puts it at this point. Make the most of every opportunity. For when we uh, walk in this world in wisdom towards outsiders, opportunities will arise. Because your life will stand out as being different. Perhaps even a little strange. Why do you make the decisions you do? Why do you speak the way you do? Why are you just a little bit different? We get on well, but why are you different to me? Paul says, make the best use of those opportunities. Be ready to speak. Verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you might know how to answer Each person. Be ready to speak. Be ready to speak. Not just that you go to church, although that would be a good start. But that you know Jesus. And that you are loved by Him. See the good news for the follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that we have a message to speak to an anxious world. A message of hope for an anxious world. We have a message into a world that is so very fearful of many things. And we have a message of certainty in Christ for the fearful world. We have a world that is full of guilt. Not knowing where that guilt has come from, but we have a message of forgiveness for a world filled with guilt. Paul says, Be ready to give those answers to people when they ask. Why are you not living the same way as me? Why are your fears different to mine? Why, why are your anxieties not the same as mine? Why do you not have guilt? And you've got the answer in the Gospel of Christ. Give a answer that is seasoned with salt, tasty and memorable, that will stick in people's minds like the Lord Jesus did. Remember Jesus. As he walked around in this world, people hated him. But they couldn't stop listening. They wanted to hear what he said, even if it was frustrating to them. Those words stuck with them. And sometimes the followers of Christ today will be like that. We may be hated, but may our words be seasoned with salt, ready to give an answer to each person about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And So we persist in the world, walking wisely and being ready to answer under every circumstance. And thirdly, we persist in partnership. Verses 7 to 18 at first glance seem like just a bunch of names. And we see this many times in the Bible, don't we actually? Almost all of the letters of Paul end this way. They end with names upon names upon names and we leave them out of most of the things that we do. Bible studies and youth group talks and kids ministry and all the rest of it. We don't ever speak too much about these. Why does God leave them in his book? Not just once, not just twice, but all the time. Well, here we have in these verses, verses 7 to 18, gospel service in partnership. Now, many of you know, I love team sports. Team sports are fantastic. That's my way of getting out and about. I think team sports are wonderful. And it's actually, I, I think personally, this is personally for a minute, I think it's lamentable that there's less team sports and less involvement in team sports than there used to be. Because you've got to learn, don't you, to practice with other people. And you've got to all find a time that works together in your diary to be able to practice as a team together. You've got to train together and it's time consuming and frustrating and irritating and you've got to deal with other people and so on. And and yet, for me at least, whenever I've played in those sporting teams, the the game is never quite as good as the team you're in. The team you're in are are the wonderful people that you rub shoulders with as you play that sport together. It almost wouldn't matter what game you played, just that you rub shoulders with them. A rugby team that we won the comp with about 15 years ago still get together almost every year. I haven't seen them for ages and ages, but they get together year upon year and we can still have conversations even though we haven't seen each other for so long. This is the way a team can work as you work shoulder to shoulder, winning and losing together loving each other, struggling and being annoyed by each other and sometimes uh, enduring great hardship together. And the Church of Christ is like a, a big sports team. It's lamentable, isn't it? That sometimes there is more community in a sporting team than in the Church of Christ. May it not be so. Because we work together for a common goal too. Not to get more points than the opposition, Or not to get more victories at the end of the year. But our common goal is to minister the gospel of Christ one to another and to the world around us. And so as we gather together on a Sunday, that is only part of what the church does. As the church gathers together on Sunday, it's like the the halftime chat as we get ready to head out into the world, fueled by the oranges, although we might have more than oranges this morning, and, and, and eat and drink God's word together. Fueled up to go out and serve him. And these verses teach us about the interconnectedness of the ministry of the gospel of Christ. We don't work to get a pigskin across a line or to get leather and willow across a boundary or whatever it is. We work together to win souls and strengthen one another and glorify God, something of greater significance than any sporting team in this world. I'm in your team and you're in my team. I'm in a team with Wendy and with Ken and with Rod and with Katie and with Pete and with all of you. And you're in my team. And Paul's team consisted of a different group of names. Tychicus and Onesimus and Jesus called Justice and Archibus. But they were all a part of Jesus' team. They were all a part of Paul's team. They win together, they lose together, they struggle together and they serve together. But look at how the ministry Runs right through this passage. Verse 7. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Verse 11. Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. Verse 13. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you. And verse 17. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Right through these verses is about the partnership, the ministry, the service of Jesus Christ and of one another that happens in the community of God's people. <coughs> and what's great news for us as brothers and sisters in this place is today some of our faraway team members have come to join us. And that's greatly encouraging. And it might not feel like it, but we've been able to work shoulder to shoulder and play by play with them. And for the next period of time, the next three, three and a half years, we want to do the same thing. These guys, Jim and Tanya and Evie and Silas as well, I want to encourage you that they are part of our team, part of our family part of the Helensburg and Stanwell Park brotherhood and sisterhood here. And that we together are walking shoulder to shoulder with them. You see, the people in this passage here, some of them are close to Paul and some of them are far away. But they're all working together for the gospel cause. They're all working together for the kingdom of God. They're all working together to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and his people wherever they may be. And so together, today, is a wonderful expression of what the church of God is. As we gather here today, we gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and in this case, from people around the world. Church is a team, a team that works together for the common goal of glorifying Jesus by making disciples in his name. And so we must resist any sort of anonymous church membership which sits and leaves and doesn't rub shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters this is not God's church but instead persists in partnership and teamwork and today we have a wonderful opportunity to give expression to that great fact see the Christian life it's not easy is it it's not easy it's tough From day to day, we find it difficult to continue in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we're called on in the book of Colossians and elsewhere in the New Testament to persist in it, persist in prayer, persist in the world, and persist in partnership. And know this, just as Paul says at the end of this letter, know that as we persist, it is not in our own strength. Did you notice what he said in the last few verses of this letter? an encouragement to us all as we seek to persist one kilometre at a time, as it were. Grace be with you. God's grace be with you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, be with us as we continue in the Christian life, as we seek to persist in the faith. Help us to persist in prayer, which we find so hard. Thank you for the the month we have before us to be able to persist in prayer. Please help us to retrain ourselves with all of the challenges we find around prayer, to continue to have, as we mentioned before, that even those small conversations with you at different times through the day. And to be reminded that we have those open lines of communication through Christ with you. And please help us to persist in the world as we head out from Sunday to Monday to be wise and ready to give an answer in the world in which we live, whether it's through family or friends or in the workplace schools and universities, wherever it is that we are, uh, please help us to be wise in the way we act and ready to give an answer. And Lord, we thank you for the expression of partnership that we have here today uh, with our friends and brothers and sisters, the French family. We thank you so much that we can express our partnership with them, but also be reminded of our partnership with one another as you have joined us together as a team, a team ready to uh, bring about uh, your work in this world, And so we ask, please, that you might help us to work shoulder to shoulder with all of the ups and downs, with the wins and losses, with the hardships and struggles, that you might help us to be on about serving you and serving one another and serving our community as we seek to glorify you by making disciples of Jesus wherever we are. Heavenly Father, please help us to persist because your grace is with us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. We're going to stand and sing our final song for this morning, friends. So, as the band uh, comes forward, let me ask you to.